1: That was good. You know, Howie and a, Pastor Howie in a few hours going to be. Kathy's already cooking the turkey and all that. Right. But the greatest joy that the two of us experience is when we see the next generation going in the right ways Amen. of God. Amen. What's happening at your house with the kids? What's uh, well, the
0: same thing. They'll be all over there making a mess and then they'll leave for us to clean it up. That's and what it, they'll do.
1: And we give them all that chocolate and all the sugar. I know. I, I didn't give them that this year. We got a double portion this year. Oh well. <laughs> well, see, but, we like to get them all sugared up and then send them and home. then send them home. Yeah, but you know? they stand at my house, so <laughs> I can't send them home. House, <laughs> huh? uh, but really, one of the greatest joys is the grandkids when they put together plays and dramas and. Oh yeah. Just last year, they came together and they they did a whole service for us. They acted out a whole service for us. Amen. And and they came out there and they go. And I know there's one of you that's out there that's a stubborn one. And it's like, they listen to everything
0: that we say.
1: We say, isn't that the truth? Amen,
0: amen. So, same thing with me. Hold your hands up, stand in front of
1: a cornfield. Yeah. There's a whole lot
0: of ears. And I know you can hear me. Okay. The cor-
1: <laughs> isn't that if We don't think sometimes well, they're getting it, amen. but it's getting in to the kitchen. That's what the apostle Paul wanted all of us as the offspring of god the children of god to know is to hear what he had to say amen amen so in second corinthians is going to be our text today from chapter 514. either way christ's love controls us since we believe that christ died for all we also believe that we all have died to our old life the writer goes on says he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. And so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. And how differently we know him now. Now Look at this, this, is the text. Look at what it says, everybody read it. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Amen.
0: And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciliation, people to himself. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself no longer counting people's sins against them and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation so we are Christ's ambassadors God is making his appeal through us we speak for Christ when we plead come back to God for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you on the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time Is now today is the day of salvation
1: Wow so so to all those that are watching this morning good morning to all you around the world and the different time zones that you're in we say you know be reconciled to God God saying it's time to come back to God you know pastor Howie I just read from the secular the other day that two-thirds of Canadians actually believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. You know why, Pastor Rick? Because that was the foundation of this nation. That's right, tell them.
0: In Charlottetown, Nova Scotia. Go ahead. In 1867, this is one of the only nations yeah, come on. that was founded without a gunshot. Wow, wow, No. okay. Without a shot fired, they just sat down in Charlottetown and built this nation on godly principles from
1: the east to Come the on, west, all the way. So, when it said in Psalm seventy-five six, he shall have dominion from sea unto s- sea, so and that I mean no from the Atlantic, from sea even unto sea. So, from the Atlantic all the way to the Pacific,
0: Pacific. and every he, ounce, and every area, and every square wow, foot in between. Wow, wow.
1: When I heard that the other day, I'm just saying, how many more lies is the enemy seeding into the culture today? to say, you know, just our prime minister, just get with the times, just get with the times. Well, I believe it's time for God to have the last word over Canada and for God's word that's speaking to the parliament today. What many of you are not aware for many years and we've been up in the parliament and have gone in a group of pastors from across the land, 12 or 14 of us have gone in at least once or twice a year. And it was all opened up until this last administration so we don't want you in here anymore Unbelievable! and that's the truth and so here's what you need to understand is what what is on the walls of our Parliament the scriptures that we just spoke of yeah he shall have dominion what else is on there take unto that you the whole, whole armor of God that you might be able to, to stand in the oh, evil day put on the breastplate of righteousness now all the way through our Parliament you will see God's Word inscribed in the parliament building. Well, that's why two thirds of all Canadians believe that he is the Christ, the son of God. And I believe that God is in a season in in history where he's gonna resurrect them and stir them back to him. Cause we just read it's time to come back to God. You, You know, Pastor Rick, maybe this is something that
0: no one else in this room knows except me, but I was prime minister of Canada for about 25 seconds. When your I was, honor, your <laughs> honor. <laughs> when I was in on a police, anyway, when I was down there on the on the course, we went into the house, and I had the Senate had the police there, the senate police. They closed the door, and I sat in the seat of power, and while I was sitting there, while nobody else could come in except maybe twenty or thirty policemen, I declared this nation for God Amen. And th- then I got up quick and left
1: <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah, well, you know I that? agree with you that your words are eternal because once they go out they never come back they do not come back and forth and not only, not only did he declare this nation for God but there's royalty in this room amen and you are a royal priesthood a peculiar nation a chosen generation a holy, that yes. we should show forth the praises of him him that called us out of darkness into this marvelous light. And the word praises does not mean the worship as you're seeing it here, but it means the glorious attributes of God because the glorious attributes of God have now been put in his children today. Amen. Amen. And you are a possessor of the attributes of God so you can dispossess the works of darkness off of your life amen Hallelujah. amen well, well pastor, pastor howie it. thank you thank i you. just met the prime minister for 25 wow. seconds there oh, amen man. that was Governor. several years ago Mike. have a great day high five that one around you and say let's get rocking today happy easter happy passover celebration this is going to be a great day and i believe it's going to change the hearts and lives of many that are here today as well as the incredible audience that's increasing every week watching us on live stream around the nation god keep our land glorious and free oh canada we stand on guard for thee amen i want to use the text today in second corinthians chapter 5 verse number 17 And my desire today is that this would not be a religious message of any kind, but it would be one that would challenge everybody inside the room to what you believe and who it is you believe in and why you believe in it. Amen? So the Scriptures tells us something. Everybody say Let's say it together. This means, come on, that anyone who... Is there anybody that belongs to Christ here? Yeah. Okay. Notice what the writer says over here. He has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. What I want to share in just a moment is the definition of what it means a new person or as the King James says, a new creation. The new nature was never meant to be improved from the old nature. The new nature is not about being better or self-help a better person, trying to be a good person, trying to live right type person. It's not speaking that with the old nature. But what it's speaking about here is a new creation. It speaks about the agape love. In the English, uh, excuse me, in the Greek vernacular, you'll see there's different words over there for love. You'll see the word storge. You'll see the word eros, where we get the word erotica today. You'll see the word phileo. It means you do to me and I'll do back to you. But there was a new word for love that was established during the time of Christ that never before existed in the Greek language, and it's the word agape love. And the agape love is the most, uh, I, I guess it's the most selfless word that you could possibly ever understand it speaks of a selfless one that laid down his life of self listen very carefully and put the desires and everything that he had of heaven where he was at for all eternity he came in the flesh as a man and willingly became the sacrifice for Rick's sins and for Kathy's sins and all of the sins of the whole human race And he did that for one reason, that we could become a new creation. Again, not a better one, not an improved one. The resurrection of Jesus Christ opened the door for us to what we call newness of life. Again, not a repaired life, not a renovated life of the old man, not a restored life of the old man, but a brand new person on the inside. The difference of what we have today is our foundation of Christianity, it's not built upon a saying. It's not built upon a dead man. It's not built upon somebody that came and died and still is in the grave, but it spoke about someone that came and died and rose from the dead, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? And that's the message that we have over there. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The word over there now, new means recently made as superior to what it succeeded. It's not just better. It's not just good from what it used to be. It is superior life. It is uncommon, which speaks about rare. The life in God that we now possess is exceptional. The life that we live now is unprecedented. It's called remarkable. This is all the definition of new. It is without previous instance and never before known and never before experienced. I want to tell you something. The psalmist of old never experienced the life that you and I have today Samuel the prophet never experienced the life that you and I have today why because if any man now is in Christ he is a new creation it means over there listen not impaired not deficient not incompetent not diminished not damaged by time not damaged by individual it speaks about recently made it speaks about fresh it speaks about vigorous it speaks about youthfulness and it's all on the inside of you and God already did it 42 years ago at the Catholic charismatic meeting that I was at I surrendered and gave my life and made Jesus number one in my heart and I'll never forget that moment where the shackles broke off I'll never forget that moment in time that night that I was there I never heard a sermon on racism. I have never heard a sermon on prejudices. I never heard a sermon on sin and addictions and bondages. I never heard anything on it because I just gave my life to God. But God puts something on the inside of me. The Bible says that when you get born again, He actually deposits the fear of the Lord on the inside. And it comes through a covenant with God. In Ezekiel, the prophet saw it, and and this is what he said, I will give you. Everybody say, I will give you. Notice God says, a new heart and a new and right desires. In other words, God says, I'm not going to take, I'm going to take the old stony heart out of you, and I'm going to give you now a sensitive heart, a compassionate heart, a forgiving heart, a loving heart, a caring heart. I'm going to give you now a tender heart. And I'm going to put the desires that I have, I'm going to put them inside of you. And he says, and I will put a new spirit in you, and I will take out your stony heart of sin and give you a new obedient heart, and I will put my spirit in you so you will obey my laws and do whatever I can. How many remember when that happened inside of your life? Amen. How many, when you got born again, you wanted to live for God? But what I recognized at that moment in time was it was by grace God's unmerited favor, God's undeserved love, God's forgiveness towards me. It was for by grace that Rick Cemetery was saved through faith. It was not by works lest any man should boast. And, and you know, as, as a boy that went to church five days a week for 12 years, from grade one to eight, and then four years in high school, I went, I went five days a week to the mass. I went on Saturdays to confession as young as I can remember, and sometimes I go in the morning, sit in the afternoon, and go back again at night. And then I remember going again with Daddy on Sunday morning. I, I never missed, so literally for seven days a week, I went to church, and yet I didn't know God. I knew about God, but I didn't know God. I never even heard about being born again. Never heard a a message about the devil other than an allegory that they actually use. Never knew anything about spiritual warfare. Never knew anything about the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God. And never knew that I could be translated in a moment's time out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son. And I'll never forget that night inside of my life when I went and I gave God my life. And how I felt a physical vice break off of my head. I started seeing people that I didn't like in a different light. And again, I never heard a message about it. I had a black market business that was going during that time and I, I'm ashamed to even talk about what I was involved in at that time. And I remember coming home that night and cutting all the videos and cutting all the stuff up and throwing them in garbage bags and filling it up and getting all the junk out of my life because God came and lived inside of my heart. And then I heard something about being baptized. And I said, like, what's this all about? I was baptized as a child. And I started reading God's Word. And within the first six months of my journey, I would went through the entire Bible. And I would spend anywhere between six and 12 hours a day devouring God's Word. I couldn't get enough of the Bible. The, you know, people said, you're a, a, a Jesus freak. You're a Jesus fanatic. You're this and that. I didn't want to go to a movie. I didn't want to go to watch TV. I didn't want to do anything. All I wanted to do is get to know the Maker. All I wanted to do is get to know the Creator. Amen? And then I found out in the Bible, he said that we were buried with Jesus in baptism into his death, that like as Christ was raised up by the glory of the Father from the dead, so were we. And put on the baptism video, if you will, right now. And in this baptism video, you're going to see men and women from all walks, all races, all ages. And when they go into the baptismal tank, the Bible says you identified with the very death of Christ. In other words, he took my place and your place at Calvary. When he went under the waters... He took your place and my place under the waters. He was buried. But then when they raise you up, there's some miracle that transpires inside of your life. You come now to this newness of life, to a fresh life, to a vigorous life, to a new and living, to an unparalleled, to an unimpaired, to an unprecedented life in Jesus. And when I heard that, I got baptized in water. Let's all stand to our feet for just one moment before I start the message over here today. Uh, The Bible tells all of us to repent of our sins. And the reason to repent is because if there was any other way, any other way for God to win the hearts, for God to come into the turf of our lives, for God to get his forgiveness back, if there was any other way that it could have been done, then Jesus' prayer in the garden would have been answered. And he said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Let me state this as simple and as clear as I can say it. If there was another way, if you being good could earn you heaven, if you being good could release, listen very carefully, new life, if you're being a good person could earn it. The Bible says before you're seated, and now little children in 1 John 2, 28, abided him that when he appears, We may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of Him. Say, born of Him. him. 1 John 3, 9, whoever has been born of God does not sin, speaking of an habitual practice, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Say, born of God. First John four seven, beloved, let us love one another for lovers of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. First John 5, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, is born of God. And everyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him, who is begotten of her. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. And lastly, First John 5, 18, we know that whoever is born of God, say born of God. How many know six times in only one of the books, and I can take you to others, I could take you to John over in John 3. Truly, truly, verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So the last one says, we know that whatever, whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God, God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. What does that mean? Your life has been severed now by the blood of Jesus and the enemy no longer can have the upper hand over your life any longer, Amen what it means to put your trust and confidence in God and not in your works any longer, and also what it means to be baptized in water. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost that Peter stood up and he said, what, what are we supposed to do? He said, repent, believe. Everybody say believe. believe. That what? He is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of the living God. And then what? Be baptized by making him number one in your life. Scripture says if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, And believe in your heart that, and and with your mouth, the Bible says, confession is made unto salvation, to deliverance, to wholeness, and to freedom in your life. So if you're here today on this incredible Easter Sunday morning, or if you're watching even by live stream, it's time for you to be baptized in water today. So come on out. If if God's speaking to your heart right now, don't matter what you've done, don't matter what track you've been on, it doesn't matter your age, your nationality, the color. But if you're trying to get to heaven on your own marriage, your own good works are. If you say, I'm too far gone, you're not. God knows that. And He brought you here today to tell you there's hope, there's a future, and there's deliverance, and it's all in the tank. Your life will be changed today. He'll come into the depths of your heart today, and a miracle will transpire that your life will never be the same. Hallelujah. So what did this new creation do for Riksha Material? What did it do Kathy What did it do for the majority of people probably within inside of this here room? It changed our life. I know the first one that I remember reading a book by Dr. Kenneth Hagan. And it was a little book, and it's called In Him. And that little book was so significant inside of my life and laying the foundation for my journey of faith 42 years ago. And I remember picking it up and reading it. And it said in there, every place it said you'll find 141 references in the bible where it says in christ in whom in him and every one of those places he actually said you can put your name in there so it says in whom we have redemption through his blood you can put your name in there in whom rick has redemption through his blood and i started getting those 141 verses into my heart i started memorizing those scriptures but not just doing them within my head i started pondering those verses and going over them and over them and over them and over them so they become revelation so they became real and applicable inside of my life and then one day years later i'm reading on the in hymns again, and I found out that there was a verse that it said in the book of Ephesians, verse number one, it says chapter one, verse six, to the praise and glory of his grace by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. And I recognized as a young man that how rejection had plagued my life in my earlier years. I can recall times that there was incredible things that happened in my life in a negative fashion in there. As a little boy, a little bedwetter, I remember that my mom brought me out in frustration to the garbage guys and says, if you don't stop peeing in the bed, we're gonna throw you in the garbage truck and that talked with them. She was frustrated. She didn't have any idea what was what was going on, but man, for a little four or five-year-old kid, I froze that day. And I'm totally convinced that it stopped the growth plates inside my life. That's why I look so young today. Amen? Okay. So I'm really appreciative for that. Okay. But back then, uh, I wasn't probably the happiest trooper, but it did stop me from peeing. I was so afraid. And I'm not proud of it. I'm I'm just, just telling you what had happened there. It freaked me out. It was a traumatic experience within my life. I suffered with rejection my early part, even in my Christian journey. And then when I read that scripture in Ephesians 1, it said that he hath accepted me in the beloved. I recognized that it was only used one other place in the entire Bible, that word. And it was when the angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, Mary, you are highly favored amongst women. And the Bible said she had no trouble with the angel. She had no trouble with the visitation. Gabriel came actually from the very presence of God, okay? And great glory was upon him and appeared right uh, right into her house, and said, Mary, you are highly favored. And the Bible said she had no trouble with the angel, but she had trouble with the saying of the angel. That she was highly favored. And see, just like many believers that are here today, for you to say, I am the righteousness of God would be a step of faith. Because maybe there's an area in your life that you're enslaved to. Maybe there's an area in your life that you seem powerless over to overcome inside your life. But the good news is God has made you highly favored, and it says that he made him, Jesus, to be an offering of sin for you that you could be made, not become, that you could be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. See, if you don't understand this principle that seeing is the prelude to becoming, what is it that you see in your life? Gideon, God visited him, and Gideon saw himself as a coward. Gideon saw himself as a failure. Gideon saw himself as a weak man, as a loser, and and, and he saw himself hopeless. And God comes down to him and says, oh mighty man of valor. See, the way God sees you is much different than the way you see yourself. And until you line up your alignment with the way God sees you, you're still going to live in the bondages. You're still going to live with self destruction habits inside your life and addictions. But when you begin to see what God sees in the new creation, it'll change your life. So that day, this reject walked and heard the word that I've been accepted in the beloved just as much as Mary was highly favored, so Rick was highly favored. You know what? My life has never been the same since that time. I, I, I really am not uh, c- concerned about what people think about me any longer. I I have no fear of man on the inside of me. Can you say amen? Why? Because God has accepted me, and God has made me highly favored, and so has he done you. Can you all say amen? I recognize also that we're appointed by God. The Bible says in John 15, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give it to you. So I recognize not only did God make me able, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not only did God make me accepted, not only have I all sufficiency in God, but God also says that I am appointed by Him. He also gave me a promise of assurance. Romans 8 says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purposes. So I recognize that no matter what happens inside of my life, God has the ability to take it and turn it around for good and turn it around to give me the upper hand in the situation. I recognize also that I am blessed. Everybody say blessed. Blessed means not just highly favored, it means prosperous, to be envied. It speaks about a person having a good journey. It speaks about a person that things will go well in their life. And the Bible says to you and I today in Ephesians 1, 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has already done, blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So I recognize that. And then I got on later. And I read in Peter's epistle where it says, according to his divine power, uh, God he hath given to us exceeding great and precious promises that by these we can be partakers, sharers of his divine nature that is on the inside of us. I recognize that God says in Colossians that we are already complete in him. I recognize that Jesus, according to 1 Corinthians one thirty, he's made unto us. Okay, wisdom righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. And we know that those are all positional truths that are given to our lives so that we can start acting on now the temporal truths and experience the temporal truths in our days. Because we've been made righteous, we can now live a righteous life. Because we've been made sanctified, we can live a sanctified life. Because He has been made wisdom for us, we can walk with wisdom today. Because He's been redeemed for us, we can live a redeemed life today. Amen? Free from the condemnation and free from the self-hatred of our past. I also recognize that there's a calling on my life. And you say, well, that calling, uh, it's on your life because you're a preacher and teacher. No, before I ever started preaching and teaching, I was called because the Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians 1, 9, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So what does that mean? I've been called to fellowship. You've been called to fellowship. And that speaks about to a relationship with God. The question that I have to each one of us here today is how much time are you actually taking to develop that relationship with God? If you live in the house with the person and there's never communication that are going on, you're so busy in your iPad, your iPhone, and all the other uh, social media and all the other sites, but you never have time to develop that relationship, then it's going to be a very, very shallow relationship. But how many know God doesn't want to be second place in our lives? God doesn't want to be a spectator in our life, but God wants to be number one in our lives. Why? So that things can go and will go well inside of your life. And so God, the Bible says, He's blessed us. God has appointed us. God has assured us. And then in Ephesians two thirteen, it says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been called, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Uh, I mean, how much nearer can you get uh, the whole New Testament revelation is God no longer lives in the building. God no longer lives in this here sanctuary if you want to term it as such but he has now chose you to be the very habitation to be the very temple of God inside of life and and so God now lives inside of people. I took a grain of salt when the view made that statement out there who's who's this prime who's this vice president Pence that actually says he hears from God. Okay, well, listen carefully. God wants to communicate, amen? And God, I'm not talking a weird thing. God is never going to tell you something that would go contrary to his word. He's not going to tell you to go into McDonald's and shoot people that's not the God that we serve. But how many know as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God today. So God is leading and God is speaking. As a matter of fact, seven times in the book of Revelation, it says in the New Testament, he that hath an ear to hear, come on, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. I believe Issachar had an anointing to understand the times in the season that we're in. And I believe on this house, there's an anointing of the times in the seasons of God on this house. Amen. And so, so we're going to be teaching in May on end time events on Revelation when it comes up. But God told us in the book of Colossians 1.13 that he delivered us. I recognize this. And it said in Colossians 1.13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us or transformed us into the kingdom of the son that he loved. So I recognize that there was two families in the earth uh, when Jesus was here. And how many of those two families have never changed? You're either a child of God, come on, born of God, or you're a child of the devil. There's only two families, okay? And Romans, uh, excuse me, in Je- John chapter 8, it came to a head right there, and Jesus said, you're of your father, the devil. He was a liar, and he was a murderer from the beginning, and you're, you're acting exactly the same way he did. Okay, and he spoke that to the religious people of that their day today. But there's two families in the earth, and that's why we put an emphasis on in every service about being born again, being alive, being translated out of darkness into the kingdom of his light. Okay, and there's two kingdoms in the earth today. One is a selfish kingdom, and the other is a selfless kingdom. One is characterized by greed, is characterized by inferiority, is characterized by hate, is characterized by selfishness, and the other is a total selfless kingdom. It's not what I can get from God, but what can I now do for God in appreciation for what He's already done for me? We don't serve God to get right, we're already made right, but I appreciate what God had done for me, and that's why I do what I do today, and that's why you do what you do today. Let me tell you, if you're ever disappointed because somebody overlooked you, if you're ever disappointed because somebody didn't pat you on the back, then I'll tell you what, there's something of a selfish nature that is in operation inside of your life. Good preaching, Pastor Rick. Thank you for the shouts and the amen out there. Because if you're doing it as unto God, how many know you don't have to worry about what people do because you didn't do it for them. You did it as unto Jesus. The Bible said, whatsoever you do to the least of these, my brother, you do it as unto me. So our motivation is not what we can get from somebody, their appreciation, their thing. It's what we can do for them as we honor God today. Good preaching. Amen. And then I found out that I'm enriched. First Corinthians 1 5 says, you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge. And then I found out that the Bible says that I was made a joint heir with Jesus. And I found out the word joint literally means an equal heir with Jesus. Well, if you understand uh, Judaism and you understand what the heir was from the uh, Judeo-Christian values background, you'll understand from the roots that the word joint literally mean an equal heir. So you're an equal heir with Jesus. That's why he said, I want you to identify with my death on the cross. I want you to identify with my burial and my resurrection. That means we're not inferior. That means we're not second rate. We're citizens of the kingdom of heaven and we're God's spokesmen and we're God's ambassadors today for Him to tell people to be reconciled to God. All right? And then I recognize that the Spirit of God is in our life and that we're guided by God. The Bible said, For this is God our God forever and ever, and He will be our God, even our guide, even to death. And then I recognize about this here that, that, that God knows me. And I know God, can you say amen? And here's the key, I'm His. I'm His property. And the Bible says in Isaiah 43, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name, and you are mine. In other words, we belong to Him. We're not the enemy's property any longer. We've been taken out of that whole kingdom. We're here now as the, as the servants of the Most High God. I like to say it this way, we're sons, but I made a choice to be a servant of Jesus. The apostle Paul was a free man and had the revelation, yet he called himself a bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And a bondservant was the one that had their freedom now come to their life, but because their master was so good, their master was so committed to them, their master was so helpful, their master was so strong, they chose to actually take a, 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 an earring put it through their ear and say, I'm a bondservant of Jesus. In other words, I'm in love with this one and I'm going to live for him the rest of my life. And it was a choice that he made as a son that he was a bondservant of Jesus. In the same respect, we're known by God. 2 Timothy 2.19 says, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands firm. Having this seal, the Lord knows who are his. And then how many know we're loved by God? Come on. For God, everybody, the most famous verse in the Bible, for God so loved the world, come on, that he gave his only begotten son. What's that there? If he loved the world and he loved you even while you were yet dead in your trespasses and sins, how much more does he love you as his child and as his offspring today? Then I recognize that in this here world there would be challenges because we live in a fallen world today. We live in a world today that is controlled by the prince of the power of the air. Christians today teach God's got everything in control. Let me just tell you, he knows the future of everything that's going to happen. But let me ask you this question. Is he in control of your life? If he's not in control of your life, then the truth is he's really not Lord of your life. Because when God is in control, how many know there wouldn't be hatred? How many know there wouldn't be selfishness? How many know there wouldn't be wars? How many know there wouldn't be all the stuff that we're seeing today? But God is in control of those yielded men and those yielded women. And God says, I sought for a man to stand in the gap to make up the end. If he sought for a man then, how many know he needs a man today? And if he doesn't have a man, he's not going to get his job done. And that's generic. It can be a woman today. He found Deborah. He found Esther for such a time as this. And he's looking today and searching for people to accomplish his will, to bind and to loosen the earth and to use the weapons and to use the authority and to preach the gospel, which is the declaration that he reigns, that he rules, and that he is Lord of all. Amen? So he's looking for men and women. I learned this as a believer. I learned that we have authority. Whatever we bind on earth, come on, forbid on earth, it's going to be forbidden in heaven. God's going to back it. But he's not just going to do it. How many know he uses people just like you that are yielded to him to go and do it? So for people to say God's in control of everything, and then what happens, they get violated. And then what happens, an injustice comes, and they say God allowed it. God permitted it. No, that was the selfish heart of man that allowed it that, that made the wrong choices and wrong decisions. And I don't appreciate people saying it was God that gave the license and God permitted it because he's a good God and if he's a good God, he's not a bad God and you need to uproot the false concepts about God. He went about doing good and healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. The disease, the sickness, the hatred, the selfishness was the works of Lucifer, not the works of God. But Jesus came to dissolve those works and he gave you the mantle and he gave you the authority as a new creation to go and destroy but what are people doing? There's people in this room and you watching by live stream that you believe the lies of the enemy about God. You really don't believe God is good because you've entertained another voice. If God was good, then why did this happen to my death? If God is good, why did that happen? If God is good, why do these children starve? Well, let me just tell you. Tell Jam that. God is good because you're feeding 1.2 million kids today. Can you say amen? Amen. Because why? Because when the money gets in to the hands of righteous people, then it's going to be used for righteous purposes. But when it gets in the hands of selfish, demonic, inspired individuals, then that money is going to be used for other purposes. Enough money went into Haiti after the earthquake to obliterate poverty off the entire nation of every person. And they tell us almost 92% of the money from the secular news reporting never got to the people. That was man controlling, not God controlling. When we sent money, I gave it to pastors that I know that we're gonna get it to the people. Because if it's not gonna go to the people, come on, church we're overcomers whatever is born of God it overcomes the world do you see yourself as an overcomer or are you looking at yourself as the overcome one and you see all you see is that addiction all you see is this here bondage all you see is this here old person but not the new man what do you see start looking in the mirror and say I'm an overcomer by the blood of Jesus And this stuff that's hindered my life, this stuff that's paralyzed my life, is stopping inside my life because I'm identified with that death, burial, and resurrection. If you'll just get that revelation, you'll walk out as a free man today. You've been prayed for. What do you mean by that? Jesus said, I do not pray for these alone, but for all those who will ever believe on me through what they message that they preach. So Jesus prayed for you. Here's another one. You're already qualified. What do you mean? Colossians 1, 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance in the saints of light. The last one that I want to share is your royalty. Everybody look at your name and say, your royalty. your royalty. Now, they didn't believe it the first time, so tell them it again, your royalty. Your royalty. Okay, notice when you said that, they smiled at you. Yes. But how many actually believe that you're royalty and you don't have to raise your hand? Okay, because there's many probably don't, but, but I believe what the Bible has to say. Okay, I appreciate, you know, what Harry and, and, and Merkel are getting married, who, what her name is, and I, I'm very happy for them. Amen. Okay, that's royalty out there. But you know what? They have a royalty in this here world. I have a royalty in the spiritual realm, amen? And I, I understand also that you're, you're related to me, come on, as brothers and sisters. So guess what? We're all of the royal family. And if you believe the Bible, let's just read what it says over there. But you are. Everybody say you are. It didn't say you're going to become, but it says you are a chosen generation. A royal, look what it says, a royal priesthood a holy nation, his own special people that you must proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God didn't say you're going to become, it said you are a royal priest. What does that mean? You're a royal priesthood today. And here's the amazing thing. The amazing thing is the word praises is not speaking of in a worship service. It's not speaking about singing a song. It's not speaking, listen very about listening to a music tape or a worship video. But the word praises, are you ready for this here? It literally means, and you can type it in because I know everything I say in here now they Google it to check it out. So check it out. Second 2 Peter 2:9. 2, the word praises literally means glorious attributes of God. The glorious attributes of God. Did you know that as He is, so are you in this world? As who? God is? As the son of God seated at the right hand. As he is, so are you in this present world. As he is, so are you in this present. As he is, he's an overcomer. He's a champion. He's a winner. He's got the upper hand over the enemy. As he is, so are you in this here world. Come on, church. And what else? God has entrusted to you and put into your spiritual DNA a brand new nature. You don't have the nature of Lucifer any longer. you got the very nature of God today. on the inside. And his attributes of peace, his attributes of joy, his attributes of authority, his attributes of compassion, his attributes of forgiveness are all now your attributes because you're in Christ. And everybody said, let's all stand to our feet. Glory to God. Wow. If God can help me over 42 years, how many know there's help for all of us in the room? In spite of my failings in spite of my shortcomings and i make no excuse for any of them cuz we're being changed daily from glory to glory amen and it's not in here cuz that's done but it's all up here in our head and lastly how many want to be in god's will you really do okay can i give you can i give you a closing easter statement watch your mouth bible says in everything give thanks for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. In the very next verse, quench not the Spirit. Don't smother the Holy Spirit in your life. Ungratefulness smothers the Holy Spirit. I found out that you want to abort the next generation? Talk about the church. Talk about leaders. Talk about stuff behind their back, on the car, on the way home. Talk about all the things you didn't like in the services. Love means you hate the things that God hates and you love the things that God loves. Every good gift in us. God, we learned about the new creation, man. Oh, God, there's nothing inferior. There's nothing second rate inside of a one of us in this room. But we're more than conquerors, God. And Father, release that upon everyone. And we speak to the kingdom of darkness, the spirit of confusion, to break off of every life in this here room to scatter and shatter it by the blood of the